A table full of wines, another covered in breads hot from the nearby camp ovens, and a corner station of roast fowl, pudding, and rice bowls awaited the crowds. Similar celebrations repeated around the glen at the close of the year's harvest, for winter shortages would be few as their surfeit of yields, if meted out prudently, was ample. This year's harvest would feed the community until the late spring's winds warmed the ground and the farmers restarted their cycle with new stocks. The harvest feasts and annual gatherings, though sometimes criticized as an excess, not only ended one year and began another, but they unified the clans who had toiled together. For Adira Conrain's feast, the banquet time had arrived. However, its sponsor, the clan chief and Adira's husband, had not. Uh, unlike him, a portly middle-aged man complained as he picked at the fair. You are in need of a bit of restraint, Dubert, from the sideboard, his listener retorted. Where's your loyalties? An unkind wind from the nearby peaks coursed through the hamlet's lanes and contended with the lodge house door. Several guests who had lingered at the long tables tightened their tunics back and front. Another restless hour went by while attendees fretted about the recent raiders who had tainted the peace of the western foothills of Zex. Impatient to wait another hour, Adira threw on her cossack and headed west across the cleared fields to the outskirts of their communal lands. Despite her age, she hurried to cross the adjoining grasslands beyond the boundary marks, hopeful to ascend the highest knoll before dark for her vantage. Vexed with apprehension of her husband's safety, she marched over exposed outcrops and volcanic feldspar, spewed from the Jamdor range during the Great Undoing two and one-half centuries ago. The pitchstones were as large as houses, cracked in concentric, rounded fractures owing to contraction. As many were impassable, Adira wound her way around the black rocks and, on one large gray ridge of ash and hailstones, she arrived. The twilight smudged discernible lines and demarked her horizon. She held her breath as she watched for her husband. Steady, keep steady, she whispered to no one. A single crow in the fields behind her called. The air became honeydew sweet as the evening sky dropped and turned the plains purple in the low light. Her old eyes squinted. There, she cried to herself. Movement in the northern horizon fixed her attention and within seconds she made out her husband's familiar gait and silhouette. She shouted a cheer. Bach was Adira's only son, and Philel's second. Yet Bach was too consumed in his solitude and too uncertain to shoulder his father's role as head in civil politics. Less sanguine than his older half-brother, Janriel, Bach was his sibling's opposite. For such reasons and more, Philel had groomed Janriel, his eldest, to hoist family business obligations, as Philel appointed Janriel to key positions in clan partisan ranks. Bach could not have been happier. The day after the harvest feast, workers restacked late summer hay in larger, neatly combined haystacks to be held in reserve for winter feeding. Anyone can make a prophecy and then later make it come true, Buck argued with his cousin Sam Sam as they watched the last of the hay fly atop the stacks. 
No, Sam Sam countered. A prophecy comes only from heaven's prince. On my word, Sam Sam, Bach continued, if I were to say that in thirty years hence a pigeon would be born on harvest day with an extra toe, then in thirty years' time I could find a line of malformed pigeons, incubate any number of its eggs to hatch on given days, and fulfill my prophecy. Perhaps, Sam Sam replied, but what presupposes the pigeon has no will of its own? What if he were to choose celibacy rather than your obnoxious purposes? No matter if you could live long enough or have the sufficient science to produce an extra appendage, if that poor beastie did not want to mate, you'd be in a pickle trying out your self-styled prophecy. Well, perhaps, Bach responded thoughtfully, as he wrestled hay under the hay shed's gabled roof. But indeed, could he choose? Sam Sam did not hear his cousin as the farmhouse dinner bell rang for supper. Leaving their labor, as did other farmhands, the companions shuffled to the long dining tables where the owner's family had set out bread and strong cheeses, seasoned with dried parsley and yewberry leaves. Milk was unlimited for all, and the older laborers received a thimble full of strong herbed spirits for their health. The owner's young daughters ladled hot teas from bulgy copper kettles hanging adroitly on fire pit cranes. Shivering from the cold, Bach sat close to the fire on a stool, but received a cautionary warning from one of the daughters. Do not block access to the spider. The tripod, called a spider, held the hot water in a smaller tea kettle, which the daughter frequently used. Bach, if you get any closer, I'll make you start helping with my chores, she played. It's a chill I've got, he explained, but he agreed he was in her way and shifted to let her freely work. Although it was Bach's last day on the farms, the skilled workers would stay to finish the remaining jobs during the autumnal rains. Bach was, however, content, for if truth were told, he was not a proficient worker, and earned only a day laborer title. He gulped two cups of tea before he considered himself warm enough to eat his rations. Also, tonight was his last night in the overfull bunkhouse, a thought that cheered him as he had slept miserably through the detonations of flatulence and symphonies of snores each night. The season's cold air swept across the corner of the boom down from the impassable known glacier Itu and into Zex. The currents poured through Salvatore's obliteration to crash headlong into the rising easterlies from the great sea. Without the high peaks between the third and fourth divides, the broken mountains no longer separated the conflicting armies of sea and glacier. In fall, the colliding air masses produced torrential rains that flooded low-lying ground and rivers from the Camprian Dar in the northwest to Enkive in the southeast. In winter, snow arrived with cycles of warm rain, then snow, hail and grapple to torment the region until spring finally arrived. The next morning, Bach noticed hoarfrost in the muddy path that would lead him to his father's village at the end of a day's walk. Grateful he had evaded the cold night in the cozy but noisy bunkhouse, he and Sam Sam left early. While Sam Sam would remain in their home village, Bach was pledged to work elsewhere. After a brief rest at home, Bach would retake the road north with a handful of others his age. After a four-day trek, he would reach the family copper mines at Road's End, where for two months he would work for his brother Janriel, head of administrative matters. At least... Bach mused as a squall blew open his overcoat. When the rains come, I'll be underground. 